Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, over there on another coast entirely, the West Coast, LA Zone. Evan Swords over an Irish sub. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm sick. <laughs> And it feels very dirty for you to say L.A. zone. L.A. zone. Hi, Why is it dirty? Because I don't. I'm not from here. I've just no, been here for a little bit. No, but you the 49ers run L.A. Like it's basically L.A. country. That is 49er country now. When you put it like that, I'll take that. Yeah, that's fine. It's positive. It's positive. Uh, well, thank you for getting it out. Uh, with your sickness, are you okay? Like, what kind of sickness are we talking about? You know, I actually was like feeling happy. I guess if you can be happy when you get sick. Because, like, before COVID ever existed, I would just get sick once a year, right when the weather changed and it started to get cold. And, like, mm-hmm. it didn't matter where where I was. I lived in Arizona, lived in Portland. Right around this time, I would get sick. And that would be the only time I'd get sick. And I would be, like, for, you know, three or four or five days, I'd be done. Like, all right, let's move on. And then COVID happened. And I think there was that one year, you know, last year, I was, like, sick every other week. Mm-hmm. So here we go. I haven't been sick all year, knock on wood. And, uh, you know, sure, it, it rained for the first time today in L.A. And I got sick. And I was like, yeah, okay, back to normal. All right, let's move on. So just, just a cold, just a, a little bit of a fever, drinking a lot of water. All okay. That. You're going to be all right. You'll be all right. Also here, Stay Hot Zone, the Twitter disruptor, the Aaron Rodgers hater, the pot stirrer himself, Theo Ash. Theo, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, My man has haters now. He, I got I'm a so lo- proud of you. A lot of them, man. It's it's been especially these last couple of weeks. There's been a lot of pushback to the things that I'm saying. Uh, it is what it is, you know. Can't uh can't please everyone all the time, you know. My, but it it's funny because you back it up and your videos are great, and y'all should go subscribe to Stay Hot's YouTube page and also follow you on TikTok with all of your breakdowns and things like that. Where people get mad at your opinions, where you're I, I don't even think it's really opinions. When I go through your stuff, you're just pointing out here's what's happening, and then people are getting mad. Where it's like Tua, the the Tua stuff, especially, where you're like, Look, it's good. We're not I, I, like he's doing what he's supposed to be doing with Jalen Waddle and Terry Kill. These are good things. And it's a positive that he has a good coach in Mike McDaniel. And it's a good thing to be uh, in this position. None of these are bad. Uh, I don't know why some people just choose the to. The throws are bad. But other than that, none of the, you know, but none it, of they're the winning. Are, none of and the, he's doing what he needs to do. They're still the going to have th- a thousand. Like they're still connecting. Tyreek Hill still leads the league in, league in receiving. Like that, he still has to get the ball some way. And he was doing way. that. By the way, Theo, your, those tweets and that alone made me just think to myself that if the 49ers had Tyree Kill, people would think right now that Jimmy Garoppolo was a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> I I don't disagree. Look, and and the Dolphins fans just hate me right now, even though like there's a lot of things about the Dolphins that I like a lot, but it's not mm-hmm. enough if I like a lot of things about your team. I have to like your quarterback. I have to I have to give all the credit to the quarterback. Otherwise, I hate the Jets, even though there's plenty of like I love Garrett Wilson. Everyone knows I love Garrett Wilson. He's my favorite wide receiver in the draft. I think he's great. Like I love, you know, the way Sauce Gardner is playing right now and their defense is is fun and totally like one in the trenches against the Bills. And, you know, they were able to beat him like that. But I can't say any of that. I can't credit any of that. It's like but you have to point out that that, you know, Zach Wilson 
didn't have a absolutely atrocious interception today and he won the game it's like no i won't say that because that's not what happened like he played fine but you know it's, it's always something like that like before the season even i was like i'm not looking forward to the dolphins this year because i know i've had tyree kill as the best wide receiver in the league for a long time now i've called it i've said that he has a superpower for a long time now and no one else quite quite has what he has and when he went to the Dolphins and they had him and Waddle and they brought in Teron Armstead and Connor Williams and McDaniel, I was like, this can be the 49ers with Jimmy G and, and he can put a Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is like really high up there in terms of like quarterback efficiency over the last decade or so, you know, Mike, I have no doubt that two is going to be able to do what Jimmy G does and have a crazy efficient season with these weapons in this scheme. And I had the Dolphins winning like 10 games, um, I had them winning a playoff game, getting to the divisional round. Like, I like this. I like this Dolphins team. Could they make the AFC Championship game? I think they could, especially with Josh Allen's, like, elbow now. He's got that that pitcher nerve, like, injury in his elbow. But also, as you pointed out, threw the ball 70 yards downfield with that same pitcher's elbow issue, which I don't understand on that last play where Sauce Gardner breaks it up. But you're like, yeah, in the air 70 yards. It was the longest pass, like next gen stats has charted in a long time. <laughs> so we'll see about that. But I mean, it's clearly bothering him like a little bit. Otherwise, we'd never hear anything about it. So I don't know if it was adrenaline or what that got him the ball, or maybe it just hurt a lot to throw it that like he can throw it that far and it just hurt a lot. And it was the last play of the game. So it's fine. But yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, that's that's mostly where the the source of the of the anger comes from, you know, I called Zayvon Collins bad when he was coming mm-hmm. out of Tulsa. I didn't like him, but when he had a pick six, no one, no one DM'd me and called me an idiot because of that. It's just all about the quarterbacks all the time. And if, if he, they do anything good ever, they got to, you know, you got to let so me funny hear about you're it. so laid back. I just don't think people understand. Like one of the things about the, like Evan, I could understand a little bit when Evan gets hot about a 49ers thing or, or just like when we talk about the Packers, Evan's going to get pretty hot and pretty disrespectful. And it's going to be like a solid two and a half minutes, three minutes of like, okay, well, I can see why know, he would get. You know what the messages. difference is? Yeah. It's it, this is what I think is hilarious. Like, this isn't my job. <laughs> I I don't do this for any other reason that I enjoy talking to Chase. And he one day a long time ago was like, hey, do you want to come talk about football? And I've just been doing it since. You can't find my work <laughs> anywhere else other than me tweeting because mm-hmm. it's not what I do. And I, you know, I can understand someone being like, how could you, how dare you, Evan? Like, you don't do this for your job, blah, blah, blah. Like, I could get that. But like, feels like, spends a lot of time energy and effort trying to get it right and trying to just be honest and people get mad at him like it's just the funniest thing i love it so much yeah it's i always find it funny it's it's never really gotten me to me too bad there was one the other jets fans were mad at me because i called jeffrey simmons the best defensive tackle after after eric donald and i love Mm. jeffrey simmons and they all got by the way so mad at me because they're like well it's it's so clearly Quinn and Williams. And I love Quinn. They're like, why do you hate Quinn and Williams? It's like well, that tweet, that famous tweet where it's like, Twitter is the only place where well-articulated sentences can get completely misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. I love pancakes. Does that clearly, so you hate waffles? waffles. Yeah. That's <laughs> no, that's a whole other sentence. Yeah. That's legitimately Jeffrey Simmons and like Quinn and Williams. Like I, they're both fantastic players. I just like 
Jeffrey well, Simmons a lot. And like, even still, that just that alone <laughs> in its in the sense of it, like Jeffrey Simmons has been fantastic since the moment he stepped on an NFL field. Whereas Quinnen kind of struggled in the beginning, not a lot by any means, but enough to be like, well, we could celebrate Jeffrey Simmons more because he's been fantastic since the moment right. he touched the field. Right. They got drafted in the same year. And like right now is the only time where you could say Quinnen Williams is better than Jeffrey. Like Je Jeffrey Simmons has been consistently and great. And he got drafted number out. three overall, uh, one behind Nick Bosa. Mm. So, you know, yeah. a little a little bit more hype in Quinnen and a little less production. Yeah. Also, and and he's been super perspective. This, like, like he, what, a month and a half ago? Like, that was yeah. not that long on the sidelines where Jets fans are like, uh oh, is this what's hey, going on with Quinnen? Like, let, the, let, me, was let me say yeah. this. Shut up, Jet fans. Shut <laughs> up. You're worthless. Literally, you, you haven't won a Super Bowl in 800 years. Like, Joe Namath, no one cares. The Giants are a terrible organization and they have two Super Bowls in the last 20 years. Shut up. No one Ooh. cares. Be happy you have Quinnen Williams. <laughs> Shut up. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It's You're both it's... sharing a football team and neither one of them is actually in New York. <laughs> yes. I, like I, I, Quentin Williams, just be happy you have Quentin Williams. I agree. It, it's like, and when I come, um, come up with the top 10 list and if I rank them all, Aaron Donald number one, because of course he is, you know, uh, Simmons number two and Chris Jones Grady number, three. number three. Do it, Dio. <laughs> you know, you want to. I do love Jared me some Grady. Grady Jarrett is a great player. I wish he had more help I on think... the defensive line over the last five years. But uh, there's just a ton of great defensive tackle. I think defensive tackle talent is higher right now than it has ever I... been, mm. at least in my lifetime. It's it's insane how many people have good nose tackles and three techs like Kenny Clark, Grady Jarrett, uh, Quinnen, uh, Simmons, Donald, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, to v Vita Vea, Kenny Clark. Uh, Dexter Lawrence up in New York, like it's, and I'm Ed Oliver is great. Like there's so many great defensive tackles right now. It's tough to rank them all. I and, wouldn't, you know, you it's kind rank of a flavor this, thing. This is one yeah. of the only positions in the NFL that I very feel comfortable saying you'd have to do tier lists. You couldn't do a one, you know, a number ranking system because there's too many in that like second, third tier that are yeah, Jonathan Allen. I haven't even mentioned and Deron Payne's been balling too for them this year. It's just like the amount of talent at defensive tackle. It's like, yeah, there's a bunch of great ones. I happen to prefer, but anyway, this is none of this. I wonder is if that's why Grady Jarrett didn't about. get moved this off season was just that like so many teams around the league were like, we love Grady good player, but like we already got, we're, we're set there. Like Grady doesn't really move the needle for us. And the Falcons are like, well, I guess we'll just keep him. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's almost a little bit about like wide receivers, per perhaps. And mm. and I feel like both wide receiver talent and defensive tackle talent right now. It's just we're just I don't know why, but we're in an era where they're just a, a lot of them. Mm. And same thing with receivers right now. We saw a bunch of movement. It's almost the opposite, but kind of a similar thing is we saw all these wide receivers move around this year because of, I think a lot of teams were like, well, we can find wide receivers in the draft. It probably has the highest hit rate of any position not drafted in the first round. Like there's every year in the draft, they're like, what a great wide receiver class. It feels like mm -hmm. every year since 2014 with that Odell, Mike Evans, like that whole class it seems like every year is like, holy cow, there's six wide receivers who could go in the first round. So wide receiver is one where I think you need a great one. They can turn around a team, but they're easy to find. They're easy yeah. to find. There's no excuse not to have any, wide receivers but on the flip side, it's, 
I was going to say, like, Green Bay and Tennessee, you look at it and you're like, wow, maybe you would feel like this thing would be going a little bit differently offensively if you had just kept Devontae Adams and A.J. Brown. Maybe if you yes, just kept them. for sure. But the Chiefs did it right. Like, they got mm. rid of Tyree Kill. But their offense is, is still great because they found, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling in free agency. Mm. They still, like, were like, we can find wide receiver talent. We'll you know, trade we for have, We can find Juju Smith-Schuster. We can find, you know, MVS, and we they obviously still have Travis Kelsey. MVS hasn't really done anything, though. I think at the end of the true. day, you just have Patrick Mahomes. That's true. That, well, I, I mean, think it's like the other Patrick thing, Mahomes. too, is just that even though he hasn't done anything yet, he's in the chamber. Like, it just, you wouldn't be surprised if he's something in December or January. Right. Like he could be like another... a Mario Manningham, to mm -hmm. like blow the top off in a Super Bowl or something. Mm -hmm. And they have Mikael Hardman who, you know, I think they drafted Mikael Hardman because Tyree Kill was in legal trouble and it looked like he could get suspended. Um, that happened right before the draft and nothing had been levied. They were forced to cut Kareem Hunt a couple like months beforehand, I think. So they were like, oh man, are we going to have to do this to Hill as well? So they drafted Mikael Hardman. Nothing ended up happening to Hill. And so they just had, you know, a Hill True. replacement for with no one to replace. And then this year uh, he's been a bigger part of the offense. And so you've got him, you've got Juju, you've got, you know, Sky Moore hasn't done too much at all, but they've at least invested in the wide receiver position and in, in, in guys like Juju, which they got, he, they got him for, for a pretty cheap deal. Like the Packers, they drafted Christian Watson, who's been hurt, you know, Romeo, Romeo dubs, who's been like fine, but you know, fourth round guy, then you're asking a lot for him to step in. They didn't really, like maybe if Watson was healthy consistently it would be a different story, but I think t wide receiver talent is easy to find. I don't think there's any real great excuse for the Titans and Packers to just not have any because lots of teams have three good ones, right? Mm -hmm. Like lots of teams have like three guys that you can say like in 11 personnel, they're all like fine starters. Like to not even have one is, I mean, I guess the Packers have Lazard who's one, but you need, I don't think there's any excuse to not have wide receiver talent and kind of the same deal with defensive tackle right now. I think everybody, almost every team has like a good one right now. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Do you think the, the Packers Browns. call the Falcons about Kyle Pitts? No, I think that Kyle Pitts has a lot of value to the Falcons. I, I legitimately think that when it comes to Kyle Pitts, because Kyle Pitts had a thousand yards last year. There was a game against Miami where they just threw him a bunch of go balls mm. and he caught all of them. I think that Arthur threw a bunch of go Smith, balls yesterday and he yeah. caught none of them because Marcus Marietta was throwing those into a into another orbit. Um, yes. Can... And I think Arthur Smith knows this and I think he knows what he has in Marcus Mariota. Uh, mm. He coached Marcus Mariota before in Tennessee and he got benched for, for Ryan Tannehill. And in that season, Marcus Mariota was near the top of the league in efficiency off play action because they had AJ Brown. They mm. briefly had Delaney Walker and they had these guys who could take play action passes and, and do a lot with them. Plus they had Derrick Henry and, you know, linebackers were, were biting on, on the run fakes and they were a really good play action team. Even when they were starting Mariota, the problem is Mariota was the worst quarterback in the league in the straight drop back passing game. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't operate. It took, 10% of his dropbacks in that, even higher, it may have been like 15% were sacks in that situation. So when they reunited this year, Arthur Smith was like, we're just going to build the whole ship. We're <laughs> going to build the whole plane out of play action passes. And they are passing in general at a historically low rate. Mm -hmm. Their play action percentage is at a historically high rate. And for a tight end, a lot of the times that means staying in the block, 
that means and he's good at it that was the problem is kyle pitts letting them know that he's actually a good blocker (laughs) was a was a problem he should have been airmailing those and just being like just whiffing uh, and they can put them at x and then it'll all be okay you know because they have i mean pruitt plays a lot for them but yeah no him actually being a good run blocker is just a problem and pass blocker really (laughs) is just like oh kyle you shouldn't have done that you're doing too good at things that we don't want you to be good at yeah, but like last year, they like with a real quarterback in Matt Ryan, and and who knows how real he even was. Like I thought Matt Ryan really was disappointing last year because I thought Matt Ryan did about as well as he could have, considering the Jalen Mayfield type circumstances. He just brings that wherever he goes. The Colts' offensive line died with Matt Ryan. The Falcons' offensive line died with Matt Ryan, and then the Falcons. I mean, up until yesterday, was just has really been incredible in run blocking uh, all season long. Okay, a little bit shaky in pass protection, but. Um, no Elijah Wilkinson yesterday and Matt Hennessy was he he was rough at left guard and then he gets hurt and yeah it was I'm I'm concerned about the offensive line the rest of the way but um, to this point a little bit of a surprise but I don't know I don't know how much of that's Matt Ryan yeah yeah but anyway I don't think the Packers will will trade for for Pitts and I I think the Falcons know what they have at him I think it seems like his trade value is like what do you think when teams were if anyone called about Pitts what do you think the Falcons could realistically have gotten or it could get this winner from uh from pits i think from a pits trade man i mean i think he's i would rather have him than brian burns and brian burns just Mm. got two first round picks offered for him and which is stupid and i can't believe that was offered or turned down that's like both malpractice to do (laughs) that if you're well it wasn't two first round picks it was two for the rams offered two no it was two first round picks 17 years from now Two years from now, two and three yeah. years from now. Yeah, that that matters. You know where the Rams that are going to be two years from now. You like? Do you think that? Do you think <laughs> that any team, including the the Panthers, would have turned down to next year and the year before first round picks? I guarantee, if I it was, if if the Rams had first round picks next year, especially with where they're at right now, they would have accepted. They would have accepted because the GM of the Panthers doesn't have that long. Like he, if he's bad hmm. next year, he's fired, right? right? He will be fired if the team is bad. So he has to keep Brian Burns around, even though the smart move is like long term is. Are we sure about like, that though? Theo, are we sure? Because so. Tepper is coming from the Steelers way, right? Like he was groomed in the Rooney way. He was a minority owner there for a long time. There's one thing we know about the Steelers. So they're going to give you time. Matt Canada, I don't care. You can yell at me all you want. Matt Canada is staying. Mike Tomlin, obviously forever. Kevin Colbert, obviously there forever. I don't know. I think Scott Fitter, Matt Rule got a long time, and he just got the outrageous extension. I don't think he wants to be that kind of owner, the reactionary. He's not going to do the Jim Ursay, just like, let's just bring in a random guy off the street. Jeff Saturday, remember him? He's our new coach. I don't. He doesn't strike me as that type of owner. He's, <laughs> we got to get into that, too. Yeah, we will. But yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I think Fitterer might be okay long term. Well, then it makes even less sense because yeah. look, the Jamal Jamal Adams was an all pro caliber player, mm-hmm. like arguably the best safety in the league when when Seattle traded two first round picks for him and gave him a big contract. You think you think New York is regretting that deal? Like two first round picks to get that amount of talent on cheap deals, like it's it's usually worth it for a defensive player, especially a defensive mm-hmm. player like Brian Burns, who is good. Certainly he's got a lot of juice off the edge, but he's not, I mean, he's not Von Miller. He's not he's Khalil not Mack who ripped the ball Khalil out of Mack. Drake London's hands uh, this Sunday, which was right. Just one of yeah. The most Khalil Mack things I've seen in a while. Khalil Mack in 2018. I mean, they traded yeah. 
two first round picks for Khalil Mack. And I honestly don't know if the bears would do that again. Hmm. Like Khalil Mack was amazing for them, but it prevented them from surrounding their young quarterback with talent. Cause they spent so much on, on the defensive side of the ball and their quarterbacks didn't develop for a long time. So it's, it's, it's just in terms of like making deals and, and allocating resources two first round picks, two really talented young players on cheap deals for five years or Brian Burns for, you know, on an expensive deal for three years. Like you take the, you take the picks, you should take the picks in that situation to me. And I think the only explanation on why you don't take the picks is either you think Brian Burns is, he is Aaron Donald and you cannot move. He is unmovable. He is Patrick Mahomes. He is, I mean, Tyreek Hill got moved and he's probably the most valuable non-quarterback in the league. Like I, hmm. I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Like you take that deal. You take that deal. I get Brian Burns is good. You got to take that deal. But, and especially with the Rams, like their, two, their picks maybe two years from now, but I mean, man, they're in rough shape. I was going to say, but like, <laughs> why would you do that if you're the Rams? Like, that's not a left tackle. You need a left tackle. You need, the offensive line's not there. St- Stafford's going to be sacked more than he has at any point in his career um, by the end of it. Like, this is not a winnable year. This year is over. Right, it's over. And last year, I mean, maybe they were like, well, maybe it'll be the Von Miller. Like, it'll be yeah. Von Miller last year. Like, you put an edge rusher next to Aaron Donald. You got a double team one and the others one-on-one. All, and there's going to be wins over and over again. Like, I see the vision on, on designing your front like that. But the difference is you got Von Miller, a better player than Brian Burns, for a second and a third, right? And mm. your offensive line had Andrew Whitworth on it. And you were good. This year, you're bad. You're getting a worse player for more picks and... I, I truly true. Like it would have been a fireable offense for the Rams. If they would have like actually pulled the trigger on this, they would have been, I mean, they wouldn't have but had if you're last what, team, you don't care. You won the super bowl and you've already mortgaged the future. It's like, it's not my future. It, he's doing the magic Johnson thing. Like I'm not going to be here when you have to answer for all of these, uh, I, I guess, but he's not turning it around. He's not like yeah. what, what player on a rookie deal is good for the Rams right now. I mean, the, person you would do the two first round picks for is Laramie Tunsil, your dude. Like that's the kind of trade you make is you call the Texans and you're like, Hey, how many offensive linemen can you give us for this stretch run? Uh, what are you guys doing down there? Yeah. And even that trade, like the dolphins won that trade. They got Tyree yeah. kill because of that deal. Eventually like that, those kinds of resources, like two first round picks. You can do a lot with that. You can do a lot with that. And to trade him for Brian Burns is like not the most efficient. That's not the best way to use two first round picks. So, and like, if you're the Rams, you won your Super Bowl, but like, why are you continuing to go in all, all in after that when you've hit this hangover, right? Like, you you won the Super Bowl, but the next year you realize you have no young talent. There is not a single player on that team this on a rookie deal. Who is it's young called heroin, Theo. <laughs> it's called heroin. They can't stop. They got a little taste, and now they, they can't yeah. let go. They exactly. should obviously Harrow- be rebuilding, but they, they've got Matt Stafford still there. Sean McVay is threatening to leave, and they know they got to just chase that dragon. Reason. That's the. I think Stafford I think. retires after this year. By the way, is that a take? Is that a hot I, take? I think he retires. I don't know I don't if know. he retires. It depends on how bad his elbow is bothering him. Remember when before the season? Mm-hmm. I think as long as Cup is around, Stafford will be around. I think they're all going to leave. Gives together. his blessing. Where Cup's like, "Look, Stafford, I, I love you, man. You got me a Super Bowl ring. It's great. Our one-on-one connection, but um, your elbow's messed up. You're getting sacked more and more. You're going to get sacked a bunch next year too. Um, it's not worth it. You got the ring. Let's what not. If, what yeah. if all of this, all the talk, 
is just to convince Matt Stafford that it's his time to go. Everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, guys, we're leaving the party. Got to get out of here. The <laughs> second Matt Stafford leaves, he's like, oh, yep, time to go. They all lock the door behind him and turn the music back on. Well, Tom Brady just did it to him. Like, he just did it where I think the Bucks had a 5% win probability on that last drive. And they just march right down, Scotty Miller out after Scotty Miller out. And you're like, oh, my God, how did they already get here? Uh, obvious pass interference call, first and goal from the one, and then just the perfect Tom, call to Otten. I mean, just Tom brutal. Brady. That's an awful, awful way to lose. I don't know how you come back from something like that. Like, it was Tom, just horrific. Guys, Tom Brady is undefeated since his divorce. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is true. That was a weird, a weird, weird, weird ending. That one was Walk us through it, inexplicable. Well, it was just so much off coverage, right? Mm. I mean, off coverage towards the sideline. You let Scotty Miller beat you on the same route like three <laughs> times and yeah. get out of bounds three times. Like they couldn't tackle him in bounds. Like if Scotty Miller burns Jalen Ramsey deep, he burns Jalen Ramsey deep, right? Mm. He, like, but just to play off and let him hit, get these curls to the sideline, go out of mm. bounds and just march down the field. I, 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 it's inexplicable. Like you said, it was insane. There was a 5% chance of, of the bucks winning. I mean, you saw the, the Rams after that game, just like, I mean, we've seen a lot of disappointing teams this year, the, the mm. Packers being one, the bucks being one, the, you know, the Ram, but the Rams after that game to just like on the sideline, like kneeling, like they just witnessed a terrorist attack, like <laughs> yeah. mouth agape, like they were, they were crying they were just completely shell-shocked after that game like after a regular season game i don't know if i've ever seen a team just kind of just be that that in that much disarray like it's just a complete and total mess you want a team like that's first round picks man there's like i what the problem with them is obviously the offensive line they just cannot so many times last year Matthew Stafford would access the backside dig. There'd be like three by one and cup would be on the three side and he would worm his way open from the slot. Cause he's like, in, he's stacked and he's not getting pressed and he would just find the soft spot. He'd settle down. And if he couldn't Stafford would check the backside of the coverage and it would be Odell Beckham winning a one-on-one. -on -one. That's how mm -hmm. they won the Super Bowl. this year. Like they can't exit like, Allen Robinson looks like a shell of his former self. He's not even winning that backside one-on-one -on -one anymore. And Stafford doesn't have the time to read like the front side and then get to the backside. Like last year they could line up an empty five guys protecting and they could hold up. They were like historically good in empty this year. They can't like they physically cannot do empty. They cannot, they cannot run without chip help and they're going to lose anyway when they do have chip help plus they can't run the football at all their yep. running success rate is like the worst in the last decade or I think something Darryl like Henderson that they had just, their longest run of the year yesterday it was like 27 yards yeah they cannot run the football they it's they get tackled at the line of scrimmage like almost every single time so you can't run the football you can't do what you want to do you can't run play action because Stafford doesn't want to turn his back to the <laughs> offensive line because yeah. by the time he turns around, he just wants to like keep everything in front of him all the time. I think that's similar to, to Joe Burrow. Like it's, it's just, it's a complete and total. There's no way to rebound. Same thing with the Packers. Like there's just no path. I don't see it. They can't play man because Ramsey's their only good corner. Like if you play man, you have to play man. The other guys have to play man too. It's not just Ramsey. So they just can't do what they want to do. They're not good at anything. 
their pass, their pressure rates are terrible because like it's Donald and who like, I don't even know the other there's Leonard Floyd. Who's like a number two guy. And then it's Matt, it's some guy named like Hollins, I think. So they can't get any pressure. They can't run the football. They can't pass the football. They can't protect. They can't play man. They just suck. And last year, the Bucks sucked too for, for like similar reasons. And, but the Rams just suck more, I guess. And I, I just don't know where they, like they really paid the price for going all in. It's not the, but they won the anyone ring. who ever says, yeah. Anyone who ever says cap space isn't real or a cap space, you can just do whatever you want. You can manipulate it year in and year out and it never catches up to you. It's just one of the stupidest narratives that you see every offseason. So how are these how are they signing all these guys? You saw that so much with the Rams this year. How are they signing Bobby Wagner? How are they signing uh, uh, Allen Robinson? How are they doing all this? Well, they lost Von Miller. They mm. lost Austin Corbett. They lost um Whitworth. who's the other corner they had before their uh, I can't remember his name. But they lost that guy too. Mm. You know, they lost Odell Beckham. They lost Andrew Whitworth. You know, that's how they afforded all these. There's always, always, always a reason why these things happen. And, you know, they made a, a lot of splash signings. And like you said, it's heroin to them. Like, we can we can never be bad. We can never just be bad. We have to go all in and pour. It's like the Saints. The Saints do this too. Like, we can never be bad. We can never be awful. We're going to go all in, even if it means. Hmm? People forget that. They never got the ring, though. They they never they got never the get, but they, they never got the in. ring but no. they still just go all in every offseason to like they just avoid the rebuild they put mm-hmm. it off and maybe it's because the last time the Rams had to rebuild they sucked for you know fifteen years and had to move from St Louis and it was horrible and they're like never again you know mm-hmm. but who knows it's it's a mess Evan it's time for your Packers uh, take it's time for the packers are awful you tweeted at me yesterday about it um two red zone interceptions for aaron Rodgers yesterday visibly upset on the sidelines he called his own oh no the pack is back the, from the, the pack, the pack is back yeah i mean no. the details this, this shirt is from 1996 is so. it really yeah the pack is That's back clutch. back 1995 1996 division champions i should grab uh, the falcons keith brooking 98 helmet i have signed by him um yeah. they're they are not back. Feel no, the pack is not back. Evan, give us the, the Packers suck before well, I mean, Theo not, explains. First off, first off, you don't need to like, bury the lead. It's not even about that. Like, it's just, it was blatantly obvious. You saw Aaron Rodgers getting stomped out in the playoffs for the last couple of years when he had Devontae Adams, when they had this fantastic team, right? And it was like they were, they, they, they did not belong competing for a Super Bowl. Every time they played, you know, the Niners in the playoffs or whoever it may be. And then they lose Devontae Adams, who's one of the best receivers in the NFL. So my whole point was it was, you know, you're not getting better this year. Like, do I did I think that they were gonna be this bad? No. But I was like, they're not, they're not getting better. It's not, they're not gonna say the same. They'll get worse. This is a whole level of terrible that I have just, I don't even know if I'm ready to enjoy. It is perfect. This is everything. Not even enjoy. You're not enjoying this fall from grace, the three and six Packers. You're not enjoying this a little bit, the dysfunction uh, between what staff or what uh, Rodgers and LaFleur. I'm very, no, that's what I'm saying. I love this so much. This is great. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers sucks. Like, not as a quarterback, but as a human being. Okay. Every choice that Aaron Rodgers has made from here to from the moment he became a QB in the NFL till here was backed behind his godlike quarterback play. And every single time we were like, Oh, he seems like he's kind of a dick. 
Well, he's the best quarterback in the world. Who cares? Well, his family all seems to hate him, but, well, you know, who knows? He's the best quarterback in the world, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Every relationship he gets in uh, romantically goes to hell. Well, you know, have you seen that throw he made? He's got, you know, he just can do no wrong. He's not that guy anymore. So, like, the the house of cards has crumbled. So, not only is he not – I mean, he threw three interceptions. Just, I, by the way, this is the one year, because I am forever cursed, the one year I've ever drafted Aaron Rodgers in fantasy. <laughs> I was like, they're going to be losing. He's going to be throwing the ball all the time. It'll be great. <laughs> you're right I, on the first part. They just you're right. Throw it all yeah, you were half halfway there. You yeah, were right? on the right track. But they're they're terrible. They're terrible. He's terrible. You guys talk about Matt Stafford retiring. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. But this Packers experiment is going to explode more than it already has very soon. Because you know I don't think Lafleur ever wanted. I mean, Lafleur was excited to use Aaron Rodgers, but he was not excited for that relationship. We need Aaron Rodgers and the Detroit Lions in 2023. That's oh. what we need. That's what this country needs to heal. I don't know if you saw my my Aaron Rodgers to the Colts take. I'm, I'm I did breaking, see breaking that because Jeff Saturday there. liked it. Yeah, Jeff I, Saturday, like, yeah, he used to play with Jeff Saturday. Uh, Pat McAfee is always trying to recruit him there. He has, uh, I believe, Aaron Rodgers has property outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. he, that was why that he was rumored to the Titans during that time. That's why he was rumored to the Titans. If he can live out there, you know, how different is Indianapolis? It's like, they're like bordering states. Yeah. And you <laughs> he's not AFC someone who South, needs to live in LA. the best thing you know? in the world. Like, who doesn't want to move to the AFC South? Yeah, exactly. So you, we need to get Rodgers to the, look, it's, it's, it's Rodgers' fault. And, and I don't think Rodgers is completely, like, athletically washed. Mm, that's no. kind of my thing. Like he could still throw it a mile. You saw some of his scrambles versus Detroit um, where he, you know, took off and, and picked up long first downs on like a third and 17. Like he's still athletically washed. He's still smart. If, if they kept, if Bakhtiari was healthy and they still had Adams, like, I don't think we would be having this conversation of Aaron Rodgers has fallen off a cliff right now. I think he is still a useful quarterback and I think he's still capable of good play, but, but, it is his fault they find himself in this situation because they offered Devontae Adams a bigger contract than the one he signed in Las Vegas. Hmm. And Devontae Adams said, I didn't know what the quarterback position was going to look like in Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers keeps threatening to retire. That is what Devontae Adams said. So Rodgers' well, wishy-washiness. That's what I said. Rodgers right. yes, exactly. a person. Exactly. His... <laughs> His wishy-washiness and the fact that he is so kind of aloof and mysterious. No one knows what he's going to do. And he's, you know, keeping everything under I, the I said, I like, said yesterday, and I, I hope this will be your point. Aaron Rodgers has done more for the anti-drug movement than Dare has done in 20 years. <laughs> like, everyone was like, weed's fine. Drugs are fine. Drugs are apparently not fine because it took the best quarterback in the world, and now he's terrible, and everyone hates him. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So – Yes, and 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 there's no quick fix either because Rogers just is such a perfectionist and needs every he he needs everyone to be perfect all the time. Otherwise, he goes on national television and like says they should be benched because there's too many men. You know, mental who was mistakes. he talking about with that? 
Oh, I think he's talking about just the rookies. I think he was mm, talking about Dobbs and Watson and 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 Watkins. But the, here's the thing: like Devonte Adams was horrible for two years. You know how many glares Rogers sent Adams his way for the first two years of his career? It was a million. Adams mm. sucked. Jordy Nelson was in the league for like four years before he became like a real wide receiver on the Packers. Randall Cobb, he didn't do anything his rookie year, and Rogers like to get him out. He was going to retire unless they like brought Cobb back because he mm. likes Cobb. Rodgers, it takes years for Aaron Rodgers to like you. And once he likes you, he can. that's why they never pick guys in the first round. Like once these guys develop in that system with that quarterback and Rodgers always knows where they're going to be and Rodgers like knows the ins and outs of how their game works and, and vice versa, then you can turn a guy who sucked the first two years in, in the league and was a second round pick into the best wide receiver in football in Devontae Adams. Then you can turn a second round pick from Kansas State, Jordy Nelson, into the most efficient wide receiver in football. They, and you they can turn were, a what were you go ahead. Say? No, I'll just say I, they were they, they were they're asking the fans were chanting on Twitter to cut Devontae Adams. Oh yeah. I was one of them. Dude, yeah. I like I was like 15 years old at the time. So I don't I don't count these takes, but he was like one of the worst starters in football. He could not catch. He could not catch. I'm I'm sure if Rodgers was 34 years old, I would bet anything that like Dobbs develops into like a 1100 yard receiver eventually. Hmm. Like that well, just he's is been how doing it, well though. He's been doing well. Dobbs is right. He's well. a good. He's a talented player, and like eventually, like once he gets, he's smart, and like eventually, once he gets on the same page with Rodgers, he's like he definitely needs a little bit more well, development. No, but I would bet that Dobbs eventually becomes a great player. But that's the thing; it takes years with Rod. He's not someone who can just. It's it's chemistry has so much to do with it because he's an asshole (laughs) and he hates everyone. And when you start the when you start the relationship with him hating you because he hates everyone, you have to work backwards so much just to get him to just be neutral to even get to know you. Right. Uh, But the only thing I will say, though, is Aaron Rodgers is as much of a terrible human being as we all know he is, whether you want to admit it or not. He's a terrible human being. Um, he isn't at all. These are not all to blame. Like a competent NFL team doesn't go. We've got Devonte Adams. We we're gonna get rid of him. No, they go. Well, they tried they, to sign him. They tried. No, he said no. I, he said we won't. I won't sign but, here. But, even but this goes back money. further than that. They needed more than just Devonte Adams for the last three to four years, and they didn't do it. And they should have done it before it ever got to this because yes. they they the, the organization as a whole they did whether they'll ever admit it or not they were like Devonte adams is good enough what else does rogers need they neglected the receiver position for so long because they had Devonte adams and it was always like just these pathetic signings or like little like crumbs that they try to get him like way too old tight ends or you know whatever it may be bargain men receivers and it didn't work and if they would have done it last year if they would have gotten got out maybe the justin jefferson brandon Ayuk season if they would have figured out a way to get a receiver that yes. year they wouldn't be in this position but they deserve it and aaron Rodgers deserves it because they all just you know rather than fix it and make it work now they all sat around and complained and rogers threatened to retire and Devonte wanted to leave and all these things until it got to this breaking point. The only I want to call Devontae Adams the winner here, but he ended up in the worst team in the NFL. So they're all losers. Yes. That's and that's the thing with the receivers is like 
Jordy Nelson gave way to, or Greg Jennings gave way to Jordy Nelson, right? Like in the, they got rid of Jennings. He went to the Vikings. He was terrible, but they had a second round pick that had been developing for a long time to, to that now had a connection. To bridge with the gap. To they bridge the gap. Able, yeah. Yes. And then they, when Roger, like when Jordy got older, they invested a second round pick in Devontae Adams. And then when Jordy got worse, it was, it got rough for a couple years, but eventually like Adams was there to take over. Here they've got Lazard, who was an undrafted free agent from that they signed off Jacksonville's practice squad. And even Lazard has turned into like a good player. But you're right, Evan. That 2020 draft completely, I think, is was the they were good past the 2020 draft, but to not get anything out of that time when Rodgers was getting older, they were in the NFC championship game in like that season. They were this close to the Super Bowl. I think that was the Bucks year that they lost to the Bucks, um, and it was a close-ish game. It was it came down to the wire. They were this close, and they drafted a backup quarterback, and then extended their starter, and a backup running back, and then extended their starter. They, if they would have drafted two, they they were only two starters away. Like they, if they would have gotten two solid starters there, or even if they weren't and solid they... right away, a wide receiver that could have been developing and now taking over, that guy could have bridged the gap. Instead, they have Lazard, and then they're trying to make things happen with rookies, and Aaron Rodgers has never played well with a rookie. So that they, wanted, they wanted they wanted Brandon Ayuk. That was the word, right? They wanted Brandon Ayuk. Rodgers wanted Ayuk. He said, yeah, that I really liked that ASU kid. <laughs> Shout out ASU. He said that on an and then they you didn't they didn't and they didn't tell him they were drafting love. That was like mm. not a, a thing. Well, no, that was the thing. They said that they were gonna draft Ayuk, but then the Niners took him. So that was their backup plan. Yes. Very different backup yeah. plan. Very different to go wide receiver to <laughs> oh, let's just draft your air. That's interesting. So do you think uh Theo based on it's November seventh, it's lock and change. Yes. You had to guess who's under center week one for the Packers next year. Do you think it's what are the odds in terms of one being Aaron Rodgers the highest, two K um Jordan Love, three actually we'll do the four different ones. They do it by a trade, they bring in someone by a trade, or number four, a rookie that they draft next year in the first round. I'm not sure it's gonna be Rodgers. Okay. I, I I think it's like even money. I think it's like even money because they asked him. If he's going to play like Brady just turned 45, are you going to play until you're 45? And he just like burst into laughter. It's mm -hmm. like, no. And then they asked him, well, does the development of the young guys, like, does that impact your, you know, how much you want to stay around? And mm -hmm. he's like, yes, absolutely. That impacts my decision to stick around. If the cupboard looks bare and. I mean, they're not a playoff team that has they're not to a playoff, and it does. And if the cupboard looks bare. And maybe they don't, I mean, he just signed a huge contract. Maybe they'd like to get out of that. Like maybe they would push him to retire and he's not having any fun and he is not having any fun this season. You know, like, I don't know. It could I think be either a path or Stafford, Brady and Rogers are all retired after this season. I think there's a possibility where those three all Stafford would surprise me just because I think he's a bit younger than he's, he is younger than those guys. And he also just signed an extension but yeah, I mean, they're all in similar situations and yeah. they're all old and they're all, I mean, he'll you know, be 35 maybe a little banked up and they year. don't want to get hit. I don't know. I, my, I would like to trade both Rogers and love. I don't think either of those guys are 
really does it make more sense though to play love down the stretch because it's like the playoffs are out when does it become like we have to see what we have in jordan love like we have to just give the full like we're shutting down aaron Rodgers. let's pull the rip cord out from this if you do that rogers never plays for you again yeah and that might might be the best case scenario for everybody involved though right then but that's the thing like he's very difficult to trade as much as i say he should be traded to the colts he that's that video with like, oh, we're going to trade him to the Colts because of McAfee and we're going to trade uh, <laughs> Jordan Love for Michael Thomas. So we're going to draft Bryce Young and we're going to sign out like that would all be awesome. But that's completely ignoring all the cap. That That's the yeah. thing. It's, it's very difficult to trade Rodgers. So if you're going to pull the cord on that, it's and you can't really move him. Mm. You're like betting that he's going to retire. Right. Otherwise, yeah. he's just going to be this grumpy back up on your bench and that transition back just be like no this is what we're doing transition to love like if Favre was on the bench when rogers was getting started because that's their whole blueprint right is like Mm. the Favre to rogers thing a big important part of that was Favre retired and then he unretired and he wanted to come back and they said nope we've made the commitment to rogers we do not want you around and then he threw a big fit and they had to trade him Mm. that's their blue they're not going to have just like they wouldn't have had Favre backing up Rodgers. They would have been complete all in on, on Rodgers. They're not going to have Favre lurking or not for Favre. They're not going to have Rodgers lurking in the background while love starts. Mm. That's the thing. So it's, it's a difficult, it's such a difficult situation. Cause if you bench him, then you're just, I mean, you're opening up a crazy can of work. He's never playing for you again, but he, he maybe he doesn't want to retire but you can't quite trade him for equal value because of the contract. It just gets really, but you also, you have to see what love is eventually. But I mean, I would ideally, if I could like trade both of them and I could just draft a new quarter. Cause I don't think, I don't think Jordan love is serious. I don't like Jordan. Love. Like nobody likes Jordan, love Jordan, is... Jordan loves reputation. In the NFL is ta- trash. No one thinks, everyone right. thinks he's terrible. He's not going to trade. You'll be able to trade Aaron Rodgers though. They'll figure it out. Hopefully, um, but I'd, I'd rather go forward. If the Packers have like a, t- if they suck the rest of the season, it's not out of the question. Rashawn Gary just tore his ACL. If they end with like a top seven pick in the draft, a top 10 pick in the draft, maybe even a top five pick in the draft. If they don't win many more games than the three they're at right now. And you have the opportunity to draft a guy like Bryce, Bryce young, who I really like. Who's just like, like I'd rather yeah, reset smaller my, I'd rather, Rogers. <laughs> smaller. Right. I'd rather reset my timeline with Bryce young then go with Jordan Love because I think the pro- as prospects like Young is incredibly like way better. So he's fine, man. I would rather like get rid of both of them honestly at this point and just like start fret. I don't want Love. You stink. I don't want <laughs> Rogers. You are grumpy and you're past your prime. And like let's just get into the new era with a real quarterback. That's what I'm rooting for. I don't think it'll happen. So to answer your question, who who do I have my money on? It's probably Rodgers if I like had to bet on someone, but mm. it's it's not it's not a sure thing at all, which I think everybody knows. But I'd like it to be I'd like it to be Bryce Young. Evan, do you uh, now that you have Christian McCaffrey in the building for a couple weeks now, um, watching Jeff Wilson just dance all over with Raheem Mostert, the gangs back together, the magnificent duo in Miami. Are you feeling pretty good about what Christian McCaffrey has shown you thus far? Um, you get a buy this week. Um, how excited are you for the Christian McCaffrey experience now that he's, I mean, he went to Stanford and many people forget that and how many that expedited that. him learning the playbook and right. how ready he would be. Very smart. Uh, 
very smart. People forget Christian McCaffrey. Very smart. Um, not many people know McCaffrey's and the Shanahan's close family. That's uh, another under talked about uh, part of all the, of this. The reality uh, is this. It's pretty straightforward. And uh-huh. I don't. We don't need to spend too much time on this. The 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I, I will say this. I will say this. Uh, you, what Christian McCaffrey did was the first real football game that he had that, you know, he had like first week of practice that he played and he played fantastic. If he can stay healthy, sky's the limit. We also have to remember that he didn't play with Devo Samuel. Devo was out. The offense is only going to be able to do more once Devo gets in. I, I genuinely think that some insane things are going to happen on this offense that we probably don't even understand yet. I mean, there are already throw-in halfback. Yeah. Like, it, I, I, I think and... they might score the most points from here on out for the rest of the season. Uh, but it all depends on health, right? Jimmy's got to stay healthy. Christian's got to stay healthy. Debo, all the above. Um, but one thing that people need to understand when I joke about the Super Bowl, I do think they're going to the Super Bowl. I really do. And that all depends on health, obviously, as well. But the 49ers are getting so many people back after this bye. They've been just barely scraping by with injuries. And... Week after week, someone was out. This is the first week where we're getting literally everyone. Like Eric Armstead's coming back. You know, Javon Kinlaw might come back. Uh, Traverius Ward, who's been playing fantastic football, is going to be, uh, you know, kind of more, you know, more as healthy as he's been in a long time. Jimmy Ward, who's had a, a you know, a club from breaking uh, a finger. You know, all these players are coming back, and they were already playing decent football without him. So, you know. Let me just say this. The Kyle Shanahan show, whatever it may be, how much of a genius he is, how, how it all starts against the Chargers because they have everything they need. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing some of the best football out of any quarterbacks in the NFL right now, as crazy as that is to say. Very few quarterbacks are playing as good a football as Jimmy Garoppolo is playing right now. He's throwing all the passes that everyone said that they that he can't make. All the passes that Kyle, you know, Kyle's op- offense is limited because Jimmy can't do it. He's doing it. I mean, he's throwing his deep pass uh, completion percentage is insane. The middle of the field from like 10 to 14 yards is like lighting it on fire. And Debo's coming back. So, I think the the Chargers are a wounded duck and they're like going into a lion's den this next week. Like the Chargers have like I they were my Super Bowl pick, but they can't stay healthy. Do you hear one of their one of their players like injured himself lifting this week? It was Jerry Tillery, my favorite guy. Yep. Another <laughs> another great you know <laughs> uh but yeah That's a I, Chargers thing to where they got more injured. You were right about week. this. Yeah. You, you were right about this before the season when you said, "Why are you guys like? Why do you like the Chargers?" Do you so much thank you, Theo, Chargers? for remembering this. We, uh, can we, we not <laughs> this down? I am so glad Theo brought this up. I am so glad because Evan just all every year to same. So song did I. I thought I had the Chargers having a ridiculous record. Well, I, they they got a lot of injuries, but the one thing that I will say. They can't stop the run for the life of them. Well, when you get matched up with baby Derrick Henry, Tyler Algier, and uh, yeah. Cario Patterson, who causes a uh, Fox NFL color analyst to 
yell out Jesus Christ in an actual broadcast because he lit up the linebacker on his way to a touchdown, which Cordero Patterson did. I don't know if you caught that. On, I uh, caught Sunday. that and I thought about it because AJ <laughs> Dillon in the Packers game was on the one yard line and he had to meet a linebacker one-on-one and fall forward and he couldn't mm-hmm. do it. He got stood up and then I like changed the channel. Cause I got so sick of the Packers game to the chargers. <laughs> and like, as I did that, I saw that play from quarter. It happened like very, they happened very close to each yes. other. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> it's not too much to ask for. I see Cordero Patterson do it. Why can't he, you Cordero, when he's half healthy? And I think he was on a pitch count, which was unfortunate this week because he, LA had no, nothing for him they had nothing for Cordero. he runs so hard it's ridiculous how hard he burst through the hole that man i don't care if he's on carry 13 he it, it's different the way he attacks the hole versus every other running back maybe it's because he's not a traditional running back maybe that's just part of it he attacks it from a different way um we got to get caleb huntley out there uh because whenever he's in the game everybody knows oh they're running the football here like caleb huntley can't go out and catch anything so when he's in in the game like you can just tell they're stacking the box and they're like oh we we know what's happening here they're getting a breather for these guys but they're they're running the football this is right up the middle with caleb huntley and he's just not fast enough to do anything where tyler algier and cordell patterson even if it gets clogged they can bounce it outside or they can do other stuff to make something out of nothing caleb huntley cannot do that but Algier had so many big plays, and I'm so excited to see what he's going to be. Um, he's He's got that dog in him, as people might say. So I'm very excited to see what that one-two punch looks like. But Mariota just missing some gigantic easy deep balls. And the Falcons-Chargers way of losing that game, where the stat was on the broadcast of like they've been in the most like one-score games, uh, number one, number two, over the last, like I forgot how many years it was. But it makes sense, because these two franchises are just cursed in very different ways. And the Falcons, take one Graham. He <laughs> an unbelievable fumble by Austin Eckler. Graham picks it up. What I didn't realize on the broadcast where I was watching it uh, out and about and just taking my notes, my notepad right here. And I'm like, he didn't get touched when he fumbled the ball. He's he running the fumbles, which is Herbert worse. was about to light him up. Herbert yes. was about to light him up. I've credit. I credit. In my Justin Herbert agenda, I credit him because he was. Oh wow! Herbert was like literally to like ready. To, if you go watch it back, he's like yeah. lowering the shoulder, ready to hit him, and the defensive tackle just went like, and yeah, dropped the just dropped it, which is insane. <laughs> That's even more embarrassing because he's got to go on film today. I'm sure he was in film study today, and they were like, "Is that Justin Herbert challenging you?" And you fumbled the ball running away. Like what? It, that cost him the game, and obviously they drive immediately back down. That was one of the more demoralizing Falcons losses I've ever seen. Um, 10-0, like. They were in complete control, ran all over him, and then they would have these three and outs where Mariota missed a deep ball, and then it's second and long, and they only get uh, uh, they get four, maybe three yards, and then it's third and long, and then it's like, oh, here's something to eliminate Zacchaeus out wide. That's too short of the sticks, or uh, Drake London broken up over the middle. Like it was just, it's a drive killer when he misses those, and they were open. Kyle Pitts is just running by uh, the Charter safeties, and he's just. He airmails it and Marietta had four of those and he had five point, I think five yards per attempt. And if you watch the game, it's just Drake London got targeted him and Kyle Pitts, I think were targeted 12 times and it was like four catches total. And it was just all close stuff. And it was just an abomination in a multitude of ways, uh, Theo. And I'm upset. I hated it. That was, that was awful. And I, this Falcons team is the worst case scenario for me because they're in every game. They're running the ball really well. They're well coached. By and large, they're getting more out of the defensive line, offensive line than any of us would have thought before the year. 
But good God, when you're bad, bad, it's like, oh, we can prepare for Bryce or a Will Anderson or something. They're going to go like seven and 10, eight and nine, and they're going to just do enough to not get a great pick. And they're just so soul crushing week over week. I, I hate it. I'm not even looking forward to the rest of my months. I was looking at checking out and being like Matt Ryan Colts contention. I can just support my guy for the year and emotionally check out of the Falcons. Not so fast, my friend. I have lost yeah, my you're freaking in the thick mind. Of a divisional, you're in the thick of a divisional lead here. Um, oh my God. The, it, Theo, I cannot handle it. I don't want any of this. I don't want a playoff game. I just, I don't know what to do though. I, I want Ritter. At some point we have to see what we have in Ritter because Mariota, the, it's just, it's not enough. He, he's doing everything I told you he'd do. Yeah. Keep you in the game. Just ruin my last life. <laughs> hey, but hey, all, I say, all I'll say after this last game is you guys might actually end up with a fairly decent pick for a quarterback we might what end up with a high pick in the draft Who? the falcons no falcons are too solid they're too well coached they're gonna win games and teams who can't stop the run they're just gonna run it down your throats they are not shy from that at all so any teams that's banged up on their front seven falcons are gonna steamroll you this tyler algier and cordell patterson when they're healthy it's i'm telling you it is brutal what they do it's brutal they control the line of scrimmage they're a physical pain in the ass team like they so what are you guys are you thinking you're gonna like like in like eight and eight, or eight yeah nine, eight nine, nine like eight. i think this is eight nine and just miss the playoffs and then have a terrible pick and we have to take like i don't even know who the pick's gonna be but well, they have tackle. to bite the yeah. they have to bite bite the bullet they have to be aware of who they are yeah and they have to start ritter even though they're in the thick of this that's where i'm yeah. at with this team no no team on earth will ever do that it'll never happen you yeah. can't you can't be a, a game out from winning the division and start a backup rookie quarterback maybe you can if Mariota plays like he just played I like it's been bad like he was awful in this game like I don't think people understand you had to watch every throw and what he's doing like the pocket dancing around and just he has no touch like there is no touch on the deep balls and it's it's bonkers when it comes out of his every like it makes it worse when you're watching Justin Herbert throw these liners just um he was hitting Josh Palmer with some really good throws in this game I mean he he found Gerald Everett with a good one that I think was called back in this one. He had, do you know what I'm talking there about? There was Theo's a head? crazy throw towards the yeah. end. I, he rolled out to his left and there was a dig. I'm not sure who the, it was late in the game. I think yes. it may have been on the game winning drive and there was a dig running. He was rolling out left. The dig was developing to the right. I think that was to Everett. And he, th he threw it across his body and any other quarterback, it would have gotten picked because the dig was running into a safety. And if you mm -hmm. throw it across your body late, going a dig into the middle of the field safety it's gonna get jumped but he just threw this crazy dime like just just not even real how fast the ball left his hands there's another one where there was like a curl route and like there were two falcons like directly to the side of this curl route mm. like no way you should throw this and he just like delivered it right between them and they like ran into each other and his wide his 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 wide receiver kept like running after this curl. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that one, but yeah. Yeah. Austin Eckler think... also almost had one of the more bonkers touchdowns I've ever seen. Yes. Uh, that was, that was back. weird. It <laughs> was, was so weird because uh, Hall obviously looked at the thought he was down to. And if you watch the replay, his, his arm does touch, yes. but it's like barely. And it's one of those where you're like, how do you not just touch him? Like, that's the one thing you do while he's down. Like just make sure. Cause he really did roll over um i forgot who it was it might have been not armstrong who uh is absolutely the worst cornerback in this league maybe cj henderson and him are in an epic battle on thursday night to figure out who should not be playing cornerback for their team 
on Thursday. But I mean, I, I don't even I lost count of how many times the Chargers were targeting him. It was just like Armstrong practice squad, Armstrong, Armstrong, Armstrong. And uh, that was it. No, AJ Terrell. It uh, it matters for the Falcons. Yes, it does. AJ Terrell. He, he's lost some tough ones this year. Like Michael Thomas week one is a good example yeah. where like sometimes like he'll be f- like in fine coverage and then he just has been put on a highlight reel because the wide receivers done something incredible this year but yeah Terrell's Terrell's still great yeah but I think you gotta you gotta go with Ritter and yeah. and it's the same Ritter compared himself to Ryan Tannehill in the pregame mm. prospect he said I I feel like I'm a lot like Ryan Tannehill which I think you can shoot a little bit higher than that I don't think it's like an unfair comparison but I think it was just kind of funny that he said it but well, I, I, I kind of that agree. as a Falcons fan. If anytime you have a chance to develop the next Ryan Tannehill of your generation, you you'd sign up for that 10 times out of 10. But Marcus Mariota got benched. Like, yeah. I don't know if he got benched by Arthur Smith, but on an Arthur Smith staff for Ryan Tannehill, and things got a lot better with Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill is capable. He's not great at it, but he is capable at running like straight drop back stuff. And he is just more accurate and he is like his pocket presence is a little better. And like, he's just, he's, he's better. All right. And Ritter was someone who in college, I think operated a real offense at a pretty high level. His accuracy was pretty dicey, but like he was clearly smart. I thought he navigated the pocket well, and he was thrown with like anticipation and actually reading the whole field pretty quickly. And the accuracy was sometimes a mess and the mechanics were sometimes a mess, but I, I do think that there is something there with Ritter and he was my favorite quarterback in the draft more so than Malik Willis and Malik Willis kind of, I think showed why last night with all the, you know, he can't quite pull the trigger. He's like, his sack rate is was so crazy high at Liberty. It's like, you got to throw the football sometimes dude, like over the middle sometimes even, but, um, well, I felt yeah, Ritter, Ritter is someone I like board. a lot. He's someone that I think if you were to turn to him, I think it could mirror, the Ryan to Tannehill transition um, that happened in Tennessee, or not Ryan, Mariota to Ritter, or Jesus Christ, Mariota <laughs> to Tannehill transition that happened in Tennessee a couple years ago. And even if Ritter sucks, you know what you have and you know what you need. All right. To, to, to not know is a little like, that's a little dicey. So you're not winning the Super Bowl. I think the priority is like you you got to know what you have in Ritter. You have to know what you have in Ritter at some point. It going into this offseason, it will help you to know what you have. And it will and if you do, if it's bad, it's bad, if it's good, it's good, you know. So that's it has to happen. Like one more bad Mariota. If Mariota plays bad next week, I don't know who they play. Well, they have the Panthers on Thursday. Ah. Why? Oh man, like, that's, that's <laughs> I not just ruined happen. your week. I apologize. America will not be watching, but uh, Falcons at Panthers on Thursday night, folks. Oof, oof. And then we're gonna win again. So it's just gonna be the Falcons are right there back in the uh, the thick of things in the NFC South. Um, last thing before we do our picks, uh, the Colts <laughs> hired Jeff Saturday as their interim head coach. Evan, um, Jeff Saturday, who I found out is actually like coaching in Decula back close to where I grew up um at like he uh, i think it's like hebrew christian school or something so he has been coaching technically uh he's on get up um espn's get up and uh by all accounts nice dude um but the colts <coughs> bypass reggie wayne they bypass everyone on this staff um i think scotty montgomery's on this staff you go up and down the list john fox i think a defensive assistant like all Gus kinds bradley. of bradley Gus bradley yeah. who has been like 
a coach for a long ass time. Yes. To just go the interim route. The one thing I will say, college coaches do, uh, college programs are doing this where like the bowl game where Bob Stoops coached the Oklahoma bowl game for them, where he just like popped in and he's like, all right, while the transition, Lincoln's gone. It's like a celebrity cameo. Yes. (laughs) I'm okay with the celebrity cameo if it's like a one gamer. A celebrity beer pong shot. Yeah. So where you just bring in like, Huh, remember this guy, Jim Sorge, he's going to coach the Colts this week. What if they did like around the clock, a different Colt, uh, Edron James coaches one week. You just bring in different guys. Like Cadillac Williams coached Auburn this week. And I mean, I understand he's the running back coach, but it's like. <laughs> no way. Yeah, it's just. I didn't see that. Yeah, like, I I, I, I don't know. I, it's just, there's two it's, parts of this. It's one, pathetic. Yeah, it's. We need Keekly. We need Keekly as head coach of the Panthers. It would be so yes. much more interesting. It would be so much more interesting. Do a Rolodex. Like, if you fire someone, you have a weekly, remember this guy, coaching the team. Yeah, Thomas Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley co-coaching the Panthers on Thursday night. Steve Smith coaching one week. Can you imagine Steve Smith in that locker room getting them ready to go for one? He would just be calling. He would call 20 go routes to DJ Moore where everyone else blocks. And he's like, if you're a real wide receiver, you'll go up and win this. That would be the Steve Smith Panthers. It would be like Traylon Burks versus Alabama a yeah. couple years ago when like it was four by one and the four just like watched him on one side, just like watched him run this go ball and moss somebody. That's what the Steve Smith offense would be. Exactly. Um, what is your take on all of this though, Evan, with the Colts? It's just pathetic. Sad. Yeah. It's a waste of time. It's a, it's a disrespect to everyone that's coaching in the team and the team's terrible. I mean, the 49ers, when they hired Jim Tom Sula was like one of the most, egregious head coaching hires and i love jim and i Mm. I mean i think jim's incredible but he had head coach not only was he a fantastic defensive line coach one of the best he had head coaching experience in nfl london which is not like you know like any prestigious by any means but he had like he'd gone through the reps right and he won a championship with them uh there this is pathetic like uh, like it's funny because it's hilarious and it's sad and all those things. But like, can you imagine being it's it's literally it's literally the same thing as like Stuart Little when you're like, can you imagine being one of the kids in that <laughs> orphanage and they <laughs> adopt a mouse over you? It's literally that it's the same thing. You're sitting there. You've been coaching your whole life. And this guy who doesn't coach, who used to play center. Who like hasn't even tried to coach? Like, yay, Jeffy, Jeffy boy, come on over here. Here's yeah. my gun. Go ahead and take it out and shoot a little bit. Like, it's. I wasn't expecting a Stuart Little analogy here on this program. It's a good one, though. I like it. And it's also like, I have to, like, it's like you said, pathetic. It's weird. I think at the very least, it's just very strange. I wonder if he went through. We don't have all the details. Like, did you ask all the folks? Like, do you want the interim tag? Like, Reggie, do you want to be the interim coach? Or do you want... um, Either way, it should have been in-house. Like, that's just something you do. Like, you just hire someone in-house as the interim coach. But I also am like, still the interim i don't think jeff saturday is in the running here for the long term. well he coach. is he is according to the report oh, is he really it's like it's an audition oh then is... yeah i'm completely out yeah no this is this is done if it's an audition then i'm out like if it's an audition it's... then i'm out and it's a crazy situation to throw an audition <laughs> like, yeah Ursa, the colts are you know when they're, they're getting 2010 browns like level bad here like to 
to go through all of these quarterbacks, the, all of these like old or washed up or clearly bad re- veteran retreads and avoid drafting uh, um, a actual quarterback in the draft and to go through all of that to turn to Ellinger, who I thought played actually quite well against Washington. And then he just completely got Belichicked in the second game. Like it, it's, it's just, it's, they're a complete laughing stock. It's like hilarious. The decisions they're making and Ursay like throwing his guys under the, like Wentz after Wentz lost to the Jaguars, Ursay spoke about him the way I've never heard an owner talk about a player before. I mean, he was like, what a worthless piece of garbage he was. What a mistake we made. And like, even if you think that no one ever says it, but this owner Ursay is just, he's, he's a a nightmare, right? Like, what is he doing? What is he deciding on? These things are based on, you know, it's like the Cardinals, like the owner of the Cardinals gave Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime and Kyler Murray, huge extensions this off season. Although like the core of those three, everyone knows some random guy off the street. I'm willing to bet my life that as long as those three are around Kyler, I like a little bit. I, I like a lot more than Kime and Klingsbury, but like, that's just not the core that you extend for that long, but they're all buddies. They're all friends. The well, owner that's the likes bigger time. Issue. This is all the right. good board. This is like the worst case scenario for the good old boy network. Like this is right. 1000% the worst. And just, and I think what pisses so many people off and rightfully so is that it's so out in the open. We're like, we're not even hiding it. Like well, we're just, yeah we're just throwing it in your face. Like this is how this still works and there's nothing you can do about it. I think it's the the... arrogance to just do that and know that there's nothing you can do about it and just move on like that. That I think is the worst part is that the arrogance involved to just be like, I'm calling up Jeff Saturday and I'm making, I'm one of the 32 NFL owners and I'm just making Jeff Saturday, my coach and there's nothing you can do about it. And you're like, God, we need to, we need to just first off, stop talking about this because if, it's p- pathetic and it like it doesn't deserve this much airtime. But one thing we need to talk about: Frank Wright is not that bad of a coach. Yes, like, yes, like, he, they have. He is he, okay. He is fine. Gotten him since he was since he joined. It was the year that Andrew Luck left. Then, then he since had. Jacoby. I think he had Luck for a year, didn't he? Yeah, he had, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, he had you know 2018. So then he had Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer, <sighs> Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz. And then now Matt Ryan, like this His run is a game disservice. is really fun to watch. Yeah, it's really this fun is... to watch. And if I was the Panthers, if I was you know any team that fires their the head Raiders, coaches off season, the Raiders should the Raiders, fire their head coach right now. I I agree. I'd much rather have have Frank than the Josh McDaniels. <laughs> like, yeah, Especially... it's and Ballard always just escapes scot free. Ballard, yeah, who people is... like Ballard, he's a na- he's a media guy. Like people like Ballard. People thought he was going to be a very good signing. Uh, they were thought like a lot of people talked about him like he was going to be the best GM. So, like he's going and for a while he you know he the, he hit on some good picks. We we're like oh wow Jonathan Taylor, Quentin Nelson, yada yada. But like it, the wheels. Well, were you know what he had that is actually weirdly kind of key for a lot of these GMs when they're going through a rebuild or anything like that is like when you don't have the quarterback yet, you get so much leeway for the first couple of years where you're like, I'm building in the trenches. I'm going to draft Quentin Nelson early, draft a guard earlier than anyone's going to. Like, I'm going to draft Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to draft Leonard. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And then we'll get to the quarterback. We'll eventually get there. So just ride with me for a while. That's the best case scenario for a lot of these gems where you don't have to immediately put your name to a quarterback or to a quarterback. 
It's because if they flame out, then your job's probably done. Like you don't usually get two quarterbacks um, unless you're Steve Kime um, in Arizona. Most of the time, you're not going to you're not going to get that. And for Ballard, he's just been able to be like, look, what do you want me to do, man? I got Philip Rivers at age 74. I've got Jacoby Brissett, like Andrew Luck retired on me. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. And I want the in, in hindsight, the Colts didn't like in hindsight, the decisions the Colts made made a little more sense outside of like the Wentz pick. Like the Matt Ryan trade seemed like it was a good idea. Yeah. Right? You know, like obviously after after luck left, you're like, what are you going to do? But like all of it compounding together is terrible. Never and taking it, a quarterback, though, is wild. Like the fact that they never took one no. in the last five years is kind of pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. They took Ellinger. Yeah, well, yes. no one in the first round. Like, no real <laughs> no, no, swing. Yeah, they no, didn't take a real swing no, here. They did, Or even the second round. They didn't. Yeah. They were in on Ritter. They don't have Ritter to turn to. They don't have Malik Willis to turn to or Pickett or even Corral. Like, one of those guys who weren't actually first-round picks but were viewed in, like, like yeah. perhaps there is something there this in, in, in this year. And they had plenty of pick. They took Bernard Raymond, who stinks. Matt Pryor's terrible. Like, their offensive line is worse than, than ever. So, it's it's just a weird franchise. And... And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if 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 Frank Reich uh, bounced back somewhere and, and was a good coach. And it wouldn't surprise me if Chris Ballard bounced back somewhere and was a good GM. Um, it just it kind of feels to me like ownership, Jim Mercer, is kind of a loose cannon and and forces them to do some crazy things. I guess that's that's kind of where I'm at. Is like Ursay does like if it he I think he's made like the Colts have not been one of these disaster classes. Over you know his reign there, there, there's been some good years. There's been some playoff teams, so he doesn't get thought of like you know Daniel Snyder. He's never done anything that bad, but Ursay's had his fair share of controversies, and it seems like he's at the helm of some extremely questionable decisions. So he's he to me, it's 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 tough to overcome a, a horrible owner, and that's what the Colts have, I guess. And yeah, Ballard shouldn't be free of blame. He's he's crafted a pretty bad team for you know the last couple of years and you know frank reich has coached a bad team over the last couple of years but i do think that they are good at their jobs for whatever reason you know but yeah who knows but yeah theo what can the good folks check out from you over on tiktok uh stay hot youtube page what can uh what can you plug yeah go check here? out check out the podcast stay hot um we have episodes every Monday that drop and every Thursday that drop. And then we got a ton of other content from me specifically. Every Wednesday, I drop an All-22 review, which is like 30 minutes on whatever topic I want to talk about. And uh, yeah, on TikTok and Twitter, you can find me at Theo Ash NFL. You can join the mob attacking me for my Tua and Zach No, Wilson don't do take. that. We're not encouraging that. No mob <laughs> behavior. Don't attack Theo. Please stop. Don't attack. Or you could become a, a Theo defender and say, mm. hey, man. Why don't you give them a chance? So, you know, you can join. It's all happening on, on Twitter, that whole dialogue. You can pick a side. And on, on TikTok, the OASH NFL, making, making longer breakdowns or medium-length breakdowns there on, on whatever. So, yeah, lots of different places to find me. And uh, that's all of them. That's there you go. Uh, Evan, what do you want to plug here? At Evan Swords, we're an intersub. Anything you uh, want to Chase yeah. Thomas podcast and stay hot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, anybody that uh, tries to be mean to either of my friends here, I will, I will bully the hell out of you, and I will put your head in a in a, in a, in a bathroom toilet. He'll give you the same yes. treatment as he gave Aaron Rodgers earlier, and, <laughs> just in person. <laughs> Slander your name, yes. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
Evan, Theo, this was awesome. Appreciate the time as always. And I will talk to y'all both very soon. Take care, guys. All right, we're back here on the Chase Almost Podcast, joined by a first-timer back in the home state, the Tequila Falcons playoff football. It's here, the season. It's already gone, Coach. Um, this is, uh, it, it, it flies by every season, but I mean, it is early November, and to kind of get us prepped for one of the bigger, more intriguing matchups in Gwinnett County uh, this weekend here uh, in GHSA, um, we got Tequila's own, Casey Vaught. Casey. Good evening, sir. How are you? Great. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, how's practice going so far? Uh, we had a good day. You know, I mean, you know, a di- little different schedule. Uh, the 7A playoff games in Georgia are being played on Saturday. Um, so it gives you an additional prep day. So we, we really just we really didn't spend a whole lot of time on North Cornette. We really spent a lot of time on Tequila. Why is that? Why are they splitting it up like that? Because I didn't grow up like that. When the were... the uh, the officials uh, earn points and rankings throughout the year, uh-huh. and so the only officials that are participated are permitted to participate in the playoffs are the ones that have the highest ranking. I don't know what the how the point system goes, um, but they want to try to put the best officials in the best games, and so um, in order to do that, they, they they cut out some officials, and and so. Um, again, it, it, it allows for Friday night and Saturday games. And then you also, again, it, it helps with attendance. You know, you have people out there, just football fans, and, you know, they're going to go see Lanier play uh, uh, here in Gwinnett County, a big game on Friday night at the 6A level. They and got Roswell, right? Us, yes, sir. Yeah. And then they'll come see us on Saturday at the 7A level. I like it. I mean, you know, it's funny. I mean, I went to Partview, full disclosure coach, got to tell you, uh, Partview alumni here. Uh, but – it's funny because one of the things that's been like a common theme for Decula and having friends uh, go to Decula and grow up in that area, one of my good friends, he lives there now, um, is that I swear they have changed classifications more than any other Gwinnett school. And it's not even particularly close. Um, has that like does that factor into year over year just kind of what you guys can be? Does it make the job harder not knowing which way you're going to go classification wise? It, it does. And, and if you think about it, you know, again, if you're, if you're a Gwinnett County guy, you know, the Kula at one point in time was basically the entire Eastern half of the County. Yeah. You didn't have archery, you didn't have Mill Creek, you didn't have Lanier. None of those schools existed. It, mm. You have Mountain View, everything was Tequila. And, and, you know, Tequila was kind of the, the country kids. Mm. And as, as Gwinnett's changed and grown, um, you know, again, you know, we kept moving up, moving up, moving up. And, and as we grew, they started sectioning off and cutting parts away. Um, and so, you know, what's left is we're kind of a landlocked. I mean, you know, I kind of jo- joke, I, I drive two miles. I'm in Barrow County. Yeah. I drive nine miles in any direction. I run into Archer. I run into Mountain Dew. I run into Mill Creek. And, and uh, you know, those are tough, th- three tough people to run into, you know, because yeah. they're such good programs and, and such a high level of football. So, um, it, it does make it a little bit more difficult. Has this season gone about how you expected it when you were uh, working through it? You got a good feel in the spring and then uh, going through installs in the summer. Like, did you feel about this is where the team should be at this point? Uh, no, this well, year? you know, again, I'll be 100% honest. You know, again, I, I scheduled on purpose. You know, I, again, every team we played this year made the playoffs except for one. Mm-hmm. Um, I purposely scheduled because I, I, I needed to prepare our team for – the region we play in is, is, is such a, a meat grinder of a region. And, and so 
Um, you know, I, I purposely did that. Now, that being said, I also had seven new starters on offense and six new starters on defense. And so I knew there'd be some growing pains, but to sit and say, hey, we were going to only win, you know, because, you know, we're a playoff team, but we've only won three games. Yep. Um, and I never thought we'd be sitting here saying we're, we, we, we only run three games. Um, in our independent, I felt we, we could have won some of those games. And, you know, as I told the kids, you know, you know, there's two plays in every game. You could change the outcome of those two plays, change the outcome of the game. And, uh, you know, I told them all along, I said, guys, we still have a good football team. And, and uh, we showed how good of a team we are last week against Collins Hill. Yeah, Collins Hill blowout win uh, last week. I don't – so with you scheduling the everything back-to-back, Coach, the Beaver-Mill Creek back-to-back, that is as tough as a back-to-back as you well, can possibly get, right? Once you're in the region play, that that's up to the, the GHS yeah. for scheduling that. So I really don't have a say on that. But, I mean, when you look at the schedule at the beginning of the year, you go uh, Buford, 6A state champion, Mill Creek, 7A final four, Collins Hill, 7A state champion uh, at, at back end of your schedule. I mean, that, that's not much fun to look at. Yeah. So, um, you know, but like I said, our, our kids, you know, and this is the part that I don't know if you know this, our region, um, you have two teams where they're one and two, Mill Creek and Buford, they're, they're mm-hmm. one and two. Three and four, you had Mountain View, us, and Collins Hill that all had um, two wins and three losses. We mm-hmm. each beat each other. So, the actual tiebreaker was a it was a point differential, and hmm. so Mountain View beat us by 22. So we had to score 22 points, and we had to limit uh, Collins Hill to 13 because they scored a 14 against Mountain View. Uh-huh. So as crazy as it sounds, we won 48 to nine. Yeah, if it was 48 16. Collins Hill was in the playoffs. Are you telling your kids that during the game? Like, is that something you want them to I think about tell, at all? I, I told I didn't tell our kids a word. I told them win the game. Okay, and, and so um, I didn't. T- I, today's the first time I told my kids the actual tiebreaker scenario, and they were <laughs> shocked. And I yeah. said, "Guys, why?" Because again, I didn't want them thinking about scores. I want them thinking play fast. And so um, I didn't share that with them till today. What was the most important stretch of the season when you're replacing that many starters on offense and defense this year? What What did you see this year where you're like, "All right, this was a big tipping point week where they're starting to figure stuff out." Well, I mean, it, like I said, we we started to make progress, and then. You know, unfortunately, you know, they, they, there weren't wins. And so that's mm. hard to, you know, you know, as a coach, I look at the progress. The kids look at the wins. Mm. You know, as a spectator, you look at the wins. Parents look at the wins. They don't look at progress. And so I felt like we were really trending in the right direction. And then we lost to Denmark and our kids played their stinging butts off against Denmark. And I won't get into it, but we, we, we had an opportunity to win that game. Uh, I don't want to, like I say, just, I was taught, raised to give you nothing good to say, to say nothing at all. But mm. we found a way to lose that game, and it kind of crushed our momentum. Uh, and then you go to the following week, you play Mountain View, and and you're in that game, and then we found a way to lose that game. And so all of a sudden, you're staring now at two and two and seven right there, and then you you got to go Mill Creek, Buford, Collins Hill. You know, it's a tough stretch. <laughs> that is a tough stretch. And Buford too, man. Like I grew up like Buford uh, with Darius Walker and Justin Roper and company, but they were what? Two a three a maybe. Yeah. Um, and then just to get bigger and bigger. Uh, but it's also cool. It's like one of those things. The reason I didn't want to harp on the record is just that like, 
the schedule, if you're not familiar with the state of Georgia schedule and what you were dealing with in your region, what you're going to deal with for the foreseeable future, it's just different. It's like the SEC West where it's just that you cannot look just at wins and losses for what uh, is on your schedule because I've looked at it. I mean, me being here in East Tennessee, you can see certain schools rack up a lot of wins and it's fool's goal with some 56 sevens against programs that should just not be on the same field as them. But it's different. I don't think uh, y'all's season is indicative of the record. I think there's two different stories here at this point. And that's where, like I said, you know, I mean, you know, people say, you know, have asked me about Mill Creek and Buford. And, and you know, again, as a coach, I'm watching a lot of film and a lot of different people. Mm. I don't know if anybody stacks up quite like those two. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I know it's 707, but we saw several uh, Colquitt in 707. We saw Valdosta in padded camp this summer, um, which are two really, really good South Georgia 7A programs. Um, but I mean, like I said, I, I hate to say you, know, you line up against Mill Creek and Buford, you get your hands full. Absolutely. Um, what was, uh, the biggest change from week one to now? What have you seen that's been the biggest difference in your team? Well, I, you know, again, we, we've got a lot of kids that have matured and grown up. Um, you know, like I said, when you have, you have seven new starters, uh, you know, again, they, they morph from, you know, now there's some kids that when the season started week one, I thought those were going to be our guys and they, they've whittled themselves out, um, you know, but like, like, for example, you know, Marlon uh, Stewart is a senior wide receiver for us, had never played football before as a basketball kid. We talked him into playing football and he, he's had a phenomenal senior year. I mean, he's now getting recruited for football, not basketball. How did that, what, that's so interesting. Cause you see that a lot more with tight ends uh, with, uh, you, I mean, Tony Gonzalez all across the board, like sure. a lot of those. And, you just see the tight end position just changing um, so much with the Kyle Pitts types, the Travis Kelsey types. And um, I'm curious for you, though, when you're uh, bringing in uh, former basketball players to play football and teaching the wide, wide receiver position, what's the hardest thing for those kids to to learn about the position? Well, I, you know, again, as a basketball kid, they're, they're taught not to be physical. Uh, mm-hmm. well, I say that they're, they're, they're taught that they only get five fouls. And so uh-huh. you have to use those five fouls wisely. Um and the physicality, you know, I mean, in, in, on a football field, you know, again, whether you're playing wide out, tight end, deep, it doesn't matter. You got to be physical. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think it helps those kids go back to the basketball court, hey, about how to be physical and how do you have body control. And I'll really, really help those kids on the basketball court. How do you look at uh, this postseason matchup? Like, is there anything that you're you've learned about your team that you feel like, okay, I probably shouldn't have done this, or I'm going to ease up on this, coaching wise? Or you do you change at all uh, come postseason? Uh, you know, again, uh, you know, like, I mean, I, I removed a kid from the team today. You know, he, he didn't want to get right. And I said, it's a playoffs, but it's a new season. Bye. Yeah. Uh, you know, because like I said, I'm not going to tolerate again. I'm going to tighten the ship even more uh, for playoffs. You know, I told our kids it's a new season. We're, we're zero and zero right now, guys. Everybody's got the same schedule. You know, again, all everybody's got the same record. Um, and that's that's where, again, uh, by tightening the ship and tightening the range, but again, all of a sudden that, that one kid got ejected out of our team meeting today and I turned him down and turned his gear in right during the team meeting. You know, that, that, that sets the tone right there about what we're doing and how we're going to do it. What on tape do you like about North uh, against your team? What are you seeing? You don't have to get into a specific game plan, but like what are you seeing that you the, this you feel okay about going into this matchup this weekend? Well, like you said, they, they, they've got a, a ton of talent in a lot of different mm. places. You know, I mean, you know, you look at their D-line. I mean, they got a kid committed to Ohio State. They got a kid committed to Wake Forest. Um, you know, so you look at their linebackers. They got some kids committed to different places. Um, you know, again, you know, you look at that, you know, I, you know, we've got one kid committed on our program. That's it. Um, you know, but 
I, I, I like our kids' tenacity. I like our kids' toughness. Um, you know, and, and the other part is, is and, and nothing against their schedule, uh, but, you know, they, they did have to play Parkview. Um, they had their hands full of Parkview. So, uh, but nothing against their, their schedule versus ours, but we, we our kids are more battle tested. They, they played a harder, harder competition. Um, who on your team this year, you mentioned, um, obviously, uh, the wideout, but is there anyone else that's really jumped out to you? It's just been like a leader and just really, really, uh, impressed you all season long. Well, like, uh, Chuma McCoy is one of our linebackers. Um, mm. you know, he's a 3.9 GPA, really, really intelligent kid. Um, you know, he played an outside linebacker for us last year and, and, and was solid, you know, that wasn't, but I mean, you know, you read his stat line from, from Friday night. I mean, um, had an interception, a touchdown, um, uh, tackle for loss, uh, forced fumble, fumble recovered. Um, I think he had 14 tackles. I mean, uh, all on Friday night against Collins Hill. Um, and I'm looking at that like, you know, the kid's got one offer right now. Like, I mean, he, he's got to get more uh, because he, he's had a phenomenal senior year. He's got all the things you're looking for. Um, so, again, he, he's a guy. Um, but then our other outside linebacker, uh, his name uh, – we just call him Ziggy. His name's Chidozi Nochaki. Okay. Uh, he's a West African descent. Um, but he's at, again, you know, he just comes to work every day. You know, mm-hmm. he's one of those kids. He's got a lunch pail in hand. He shows up, comes to work, works his butt off. Um, and, and, again, you you could you could bring in all every kid on North Carolina's team and they're more talented than he is, but he can outwork them. You know, so I really like that about that kid. What's the hardest part about playing linebacker for you? Uh, well, again, I, you know, again, Paul Carter is my defense coordinator, but he also coaches linebackers. Mm. Uh, he expects a lot from our linebackers, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, this is the part I don't even know if this chase, you know, my background, I spent my previous 21 years in college football, mm. and the four linebackers we've had at Tequila are better than the, the linebackers that, that I had at Mercer at the FCS level, uh-huh. you know, which again, one signed to Georgia Tech, one's at West Georgia, one's committed to App State, and then Chuma, uh, the four of those guys can really stink and play. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, you know, but, you know, our defense corner, Paul, does a great job coaching those kids. Um, he expects them to make, be able to make checks and recognize, you know, what, what they're seeing formationally uh, based on play calls on, on again, because they, they, they make the checks based on what they see on the field. Who is a tape hero on your team that fans and attendants don't see, don't pick up on the snap sheets outside of the linebackers? Who, who have you loved watching evolve and just really do just great stuff for your team? It could be on offense, defense, two-way player. Who has been a tape hero? Uh, you know, again on the offensive line, you know, Christian Ingram's are are kind of kind of locked himself in as our right guard. Mm. And I mean, you know, he's one of those guys. Again, he he gets he's gotten better and better. I mean, he was a starter last year as a junior, uh, but as a senior, he's kind of really come along and, and has really had a really really good senior year. Um, you know, again, he's 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 pretty physical. Again, I, I like to a match up with him versus the McDonald kid there, uh, or, uh, at uh, North. You know, I'd like to see. I know he's committed to Ohio State, but I'd like to see Christian against him. Well, you've had experience. Uh, I mean, Tequila last year um, in the Buford game went back through and watched that. I mean, that the, the App State kid on the edge for them, um, just quick first step, quick. Um, he was he was a lot to handle. So you have uh, familiarity. I mean, the state of Georgia has a lot of these uh, defensive linemen that uh, pose a lot of problems for uh, opposing offensive lines. Well, like I said, we're like I said, you, you see them week in week out. You know, again, you know, I mean, you know, we played Mill Creek. They got a kid committed to Louisville, and, and yeah. we, you know, Buford's got I don't know. They've got six of them. They're committed to somewhere. I don't know. They're all they're all recruited by somebody. 
Um, you know, again, you know, the week before that, Mountain View's got a defensive end that is a SEC level player. Um, you, you know, again, we played South Gwinnett. South Gwinnett, believe it or not, their defense line might be the best one we've seen all season. Um, really? What so, do they do? Is it just is it more talent or scheme? Uh, the, the kid at, at, uh, at South Gwinnett, I mean, he's just he, – he, he's a big, big athlete. I mean, he's 6'1", 30, and he can just go, you know. Um, he's powerful, and he's got really good takeoff, you know, so he's a problem. You know, but like I said, he might be the best one we've seen all season long. Have you been able to install everything you want to install offensively this year? Well, and this is where, again, you know, again, I'm the head coach, uh, but Steve Sims is my offensive coordinator. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we blended my offense that we, I was, we were running at the college level with, with some of Steve's stuff. And, um, but again, it, it all comes back what can your players handle? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's always stuff I'd like to add. Uh, but again, I, I don't want to get where you're running so much that they don't master anything, you know. So, um, you know, I'm big. I mean, like today we had a meeting, and you know, it, you know, I sit there with a red mark, and we cross stuff out just after today, and and we really didn't spend a whole lot of time on on North. It was just stuff that we we wanted to look at and didn't like it, and do the same thing tomorrow, and kind of whittle it down to, you know, it's all said and done. You only need about six to eight good calls and run them. I like it. Coach, how do the good folks uh, check out what's going on this week uh, for Tequila Football? How do they support the program uh, back home in the home state and uh, get ready for the North game? Well, like I said, again, because it's a Saturday game, we're playing at noon. Um, mm-hmm. So I've already talked to people in my community. Again, I, I want to feed our team breakfast. And so I've already had people dropping off, you know, juice and pancake mix and sausage and all that stuff. Cause we'll do breakfast for our boys uh, before noon kickoff. And, and then I've already got people I've been calling around trying to get people to donate stuff for post game for giving them a, a pizza or something afterwards. Uh, but again, tequila is kind of neat cause it's got a kind of a hometown feel, you know, nothing against some of these other places, but they've grown up so much. Um, there's not really anybody from, uh, Mill Creek, for example, yeah. I and mean, they're, they're all from, they're transplanted from other places. And a lot of tequila people are down home tequila people. Mm-hmm. What do you have any game day routines? Do you do you follow any like strict? Are you do you follow like you put a certain amount of creamer in your coffee? Do you take a certain amount of steps around uh, around the the field house? What do you, do you have any any things uh, like that? I mean, I, I mean, I, I pray and that's about it. So okay, so, uh, you know, I go out and do my thing, and you know, I'm fortunate now. My son is 13, so he he's now following me around, and you know, I mean, I followed my dad around. My dad was my coach in high school, and so it's kind mm-hmm. of him kind of follow me around and. You know, want to try to start teaching him some of the stuff my dad taught me a long time ago. You think he's gonna be a coach? Uh, I don't know. He like said, you know, this was his first year playing football. Never wanted to play until this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, really Did he like it? it? He really enjoyed it. So, um, like I said, he had fun with it. So we'll we'll see. And I, you know, just like my dad, my dad didn't push me to play. It was just mm-hmm. you know, I decided I wanted to, and I told my son, I said, if you want to play, you can play. If you don't, it's up to you. And you know, this was the first time he had an interest in playing. So. There you go. Do you have a pregame meal you like doing or no? No, like I said, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty basic. I don't, like I said, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, our, our community supplies our pregame meal. So kind of whatever they, they, whatever's supply. there, you're, you're going to get after it. Are you a coffee guy? I, I drink coffee in the morning. Yeah. Okay. So. Black or creamer? Sure. Hot. I don't care. You're just easy going. You don't, you're just day by day. You take what the, the day is giving you. You're not uh, superstitious. I'm, I'm going to make the best of it. And, and yeah. Make, you know, uh, I said, you know, my kids, he said, I want to push them to be the best they can be. And like I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I go watch film. So 4.30. Woo. What time are you going to bed? Whenever I go to bed. 
Man, I, I respect it. I love the hustle. Coach, uh, good luck this weekend against North. Um, look, no love lost uh, for the North Gwinnett Bulldogs. Go to Kila. A lot of, lot of good folks in Kila, Georgia. So go sub, uh, support. Yeah, absolutely. Coach. Uh, Appreciate it. And so, again, the tickets are available at GoFan. Uh, but, again, the game's over there at North Gwinnett at noon. There you go. Go check them out uh, for the local listeners back in Georgia. Uh, Coach, good luck this weekend, and we'll have to check back in again soon. Hey, thanks, Chase. Great talking to you, man. Take care. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.